We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Our fantasy football podcast for week 16 uh, the day after week 16 today is monday december 23rd i'm jeff erickson as always we are sponsored by yahoo fantasy sports and today my co-host is joe bartell taking over for list list is traveling to england and didn't want to bring his equipment i can understand that so joe thank you once again as always you've done this all year you've stepped up when we needed somebody um and you're gonna be a busy man today yeah, it's it's going to be a media gauntlet. So I'm also filling in for you guys on the SiriusXM today with John McKechnie, and I'm excited to uh, talk about that. I'm expecting some angry calls because I uh, was with Mario Puig on Saturday, and we had a few. We were answering a lot of people, and it was like, all right, do I take this receiver, this receiver, or Kenyon Drake? And to be fair, Mario was also like, no, let's just bench Kenyon Drake. But you know me, I've, I've been low on Kenyon Drake oh. all season long. And of course, he has his best two game stretch of his career. And yeah, let's just say I'm expecting some angry people to phone in. But after that, we also are recording the Tuesday edition of the podcast a little bit early with Jake Latarski. We're going to be going over um, free agent pickups. So Travis Homer in particular, I think is going to be a guy we talk about quite extensively for week 17. But also what I'm really excited for, we actually have a first round mock draft prepared for that podcast, which will be airing tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. Is it, how, can I uh, get a quick spoiler, if I may? Um, how many wide receivers go in the first round in a 12 team? Uh, we, have, we have three right now. Three. Three okay. right now. I, I, I was going to guess it was two. Two or three. I knew it was going to be low. but uh, Yeah, Jake was uh, waffling between another one. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, in seven hours or whatever, when we actually end up recording it, he ends up dipping out on that pick. But we're going back and forth on each one of the selections and it's going to be in a, a PPR scoring. So that, that makes the receivers a little bit higher, but yeah, I mean, you could, you could count Christian McCaffrey essentially as a receiver too, with how well he's been doing, but yeah, it's good. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. We haven't done a 
uh, mock draft like that before, certainly so early. Obviously, we're, that's a 2020 version, and a lot of things can happen. As you know, when you've been doing all this baseball coverage, you know, from month to month. Uh, but I'm, it'll be fun. I think I'm looking forward to it. All right. Very good. Uh, before we get into breaking news, uh, how, did, how was your season? Um, I, I know we talked a little bit about this here. Uh, I believe you're a champion in a league. Yes. Yeah. For the first time in two years, I can say I'm a champion. I, I did 13 leagues this year. I think you were pretty close to that number as well, right? Yeah. Like of, of all the 13, not including best ball. Yes. Yeah. And, and I was just looking at my best ball. I actually won two of those, which was uh, a, a nice little surprise as well this morning. Um, yeah. So 13 this, this year. And I checked my record maybe at like week 10 and I was literally at 500 across all 13 leagues. I have no idea how somebody can be that horribly consistent, but that's where I was for most of it. I had six teams in the fantasy playoffs. Five got immediately balanced with the Mike Evans injury uh, in that first week. And Lamar Jackson had, I guess, a dud for his standards as well, which the Buffalo hurt me. Game. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some higher scoring happened uh, for my opponents, which always happens. I prepare for that as a fantasy analyst. Uh, that is basically what happens to me every year is I get screwed by the other team scoring a bunch of points. So, here I am uh, thinking I'm out of the playoffs, and I go and check an NFFC league that I have. We did an online qualifier with my friend Dylan McGee, who has a, a great Twitch program that we uh, we were actually getting some views for in August when we did the draft. And turns out we ended up winning that one. So we had we had prepared. Thanks, thankfully, somebody had dropped Miles Sanders in week week four, and we went and acquired him. Uh, and that was kind of our biggest reason. We had 228 points last week. It was Lamar Jackson, Ooh. Mark Ingram. Alvin Kamara, basically every high score there was last week, we had him in our lineup and we survived this week and made up the 40 point difference from the start of the uh, playoffs. And Hey, a champion first time in two years. I can finally say that it feels good. That is the beauty of the NFFC, the three week playoff. It leavens out some, some of the outliers, especially like you mentioned, Mike Evans. I, I also have Mike Evans, in the NFFC classic and thought that was the death knell for me. And, and I was able to have a massive week last week, not 220 like you had. Uh, this is a 14 team or two. So I'm going to use that as a qualifier a little bit. But uh, <laughs> as you should. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, ugh, so close, Joe. So close. Okay. Marlon Mack got one touchdown, but he got stopped on fourth down on another goal line situation. And remember that they ran a quarterback sneak on their first series around the goal line. I also have Jack Doyle who's targeting the end zone twice in that game. I also have Nick Chubb who couldn't score from the goal line and wasn't given a chance a couple other times. So frustrating, so close. And then Miles Sanders I also have, and of course we all know he went down on purpose there at the end just to finish up, run out the clock. But, oh, it was the right play in real life. But, you know, it cost us a little bit in fantasy. That I'm tenth, currently 10th overall in the NFFC Classic. Monday night, there, there's too many people with yeah, players going. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna hold on to that spot. But uh, it, it's just, there's it it a teasing example of fantasy football. What might have been? Yeah, and it's crazy to think about specifically that Colts were aided by two punt return touchdowns. Oh yeah, that stunk too. Yeah, I mean, not that Marlon Mack is gonna go ahead and score on either one of those, but you can at least assume he's gonna get some of that yardage, right? That's three or four additional points that you could almost lock in. If it was just a normal punt or as I like to say, a Packers return punt, which is normally negative yards. Uh, <laughs> so bad True. at the special teams. It's really yeah, hard so. to be that bad, by the way. I mean, all you have to oh, do is like I, I fall know. forward. <laughs> you would think, right. But through 10 weeks, the Packers had negative return yards. Thankfully they signed a guy, Tyler Irvin. And now we actually have somebody who can get five yards in return. It's, it's incredible. The difference in field position when you're not starting at the 15 instead of the 20, every time they punt to you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah uh, so I won my individual matchup there. I won one other league, a small league, like $20 entry fee league, hardly counts. But, uh, hey, won it, so better than not winning it. Uh, it's just, a, it, you know, could have been a really good year. It turned out to be an okay year. And I have to, I'm hanging on for dear life in the stake league, too. I think I'm, st- I'm still an eater after this week. But uh, last two weeks, the struggle has been real. Losing Derrick Henry like I did. You know, the nature of how I lost him last, yeah, yesterday. We'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, well, let's start with that. You know, let's start with Saints and uh, Saints and Titans. First of all, you know, a lot of the games happened on Saturday where you lose some alternatives. I personally, I would have started Sony Michelle had I known Derrick Henry wasn't going to play, gotten my 10 points, moved on. Instead, I had to go into scramble mode and I picked the wrong alternative to pick up to replace uh, Henry because someone else snagged Deion Lewis before I had a chance to say there's no way they would have let you have that one well he was available but like shoes swooped in and grabbed him before I had a chance so I was 
debated between Quadri Olison and Gio Bernard. And I, at first I went Olison, and then the news came out about Mixon, Joe Mixon dealing with a stomach flu and a stomach bug. I'm like, oh, maybe Mix, maybe Gio gets more work today so against the Dolphins. That's great. So I went Gio. And, of course, Olison scored and Gio did jack squat. So that, that, that's every point matters in the stake league. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Especially, I don't even want to talk about the stake league and how bad my team was. I have so many... <laughs> So many frustrations uh, with how that how that season's played out, but you're absolutely right. I mean, like the Deion Lewis play, and I had a lot of people on Twitter asking me about that too. If for no other reason that you're picking up Mike Boone or Alexander Madison to block the Delvin Cook owner, the same thought process applied for Deion Lewis. And I actually wrote the note Saturday when the news came out that he was deemed questionable, and then they also signed a practice squad guy. That was like a oh, this is a big red flag. It wasn't so much that he's moved from um, no injury to questionable. When they signed a practice squad guy, that was like, uh oh, he's not going to be playing. And of course, Deion right. Lewis, I mean, he didn't do a lot, what, 78 total yards and 16 touches, but that's something. And, and it's a good play by Shu or anybody else, really, to go ahead and block the Derrick Henry owner in that regards. But it's crazy to think about with the Bengals and Dolphins, particularly your Bengals, where they score what it felt like 100 points, and yet Giovanni Bernard couldn't do anything in that contest, especially with Mixon being sick. Like, that's just a. It feels like a one-off instance, but Miles Gaskins, how about him for a surprise running back for the Dolphins? He had 55 yards and touchdown, very clearly uh, surpassing Patrick Laird, who was a a darling, it feels like, in the DFS circles for the past four or five weeks now. Yeah, and Laird got his chances early, too. So it was, it was clear, like, okay, we need to see something else. Yeah, that was a surreal game. 23 points in the fourth quarter to tie it, including touchdown, two-point conversion, onside kick, touchdown, with the play clock running with with the clock running out and a two point conversion after that to tie the game. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, no kidding. I, I've been dabbling a little bit in some prop bets and uh, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's passing yards were set at like two fifty or I'm sorry, two seventy. And he hit that almost in the first half. And I was kicking myself. That I didn't go with Andy Dalton either. And then after three quarters, I'm like, Oh, I'm glad I didn't go ahead and take the over on his passing yards. And of course he throws for like 200 in that fourth quarter. It was nuts. I, I definitely had clicked over to the chargers Raiders game by the end of that Dolphins Bengals contest thinking, of course, you know, I, I had Devonte Parker's over receiving yards and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So there's no need to keep track of what's going on. And yet here we are with the Bengals scoring, you know, tons of points at the end and Andy Dalton doing some stuff. He and Ryan Fitzpatrick have to be your QB flex heroes of this week, right? Like there, there's no other, there's no other alternative besides those two, right? I picked up Andy Dalton in the stake league and, start, and started him over Jacoby Brissett. And for a while I thought I made the wrong decision, especially after Brissett got the rushing touchdown. But uh, no, that that worked out. That was crazy surreal. It's the one thing that did work for me in that league. Uh, let's talk about a little bit more about that Titans Saints game because Titans are, even though they lost, they're now in a stronger position than they were because the Steelers lost as well. So they they get to go to they they have to have a rematch with Houston, uh, and Houston says they're going to play their starters, but there's zero reason for them to do so. Titans have to have a little bit of an advantage uh, there uh, in, in their chance to. Uh, win the last playoff spot. They win either by winning or by Pittsburgh losing in Baltimore. Yeah. And I don't know what we're getting from the Baltimore side of things. Of course they have the number one seat already locked up. Mark Ingram is having an MRI today. That's not great. And I think if you were the Ravens and you said, Hey, you're more than likely guaranteed the number one spot, you know, even if you play a competitive half against the Browns, given how enough they've been this season, I think they would have rather won that direction as opposed to putting risking Mark Ingram, who's a vital part of their offense, but I don't know if he's that vital. We can get to that a little bit more later, but you're right. And then the Titans, I, I hope they make the playoffs. I'll just say it that way. Not that I really am excited or not that I'm not excited to see a 10 to three win over the Steelers in the first round of the AFC championships. Should they get there? It just doesn't, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not a really competitive team right now. And frankly, they haven't been since Ben Roethlisberger has been out, right? That, that's the Steelers that you want in the playoffs, a team with an explosive quarterback, not one that throws pick sixes like Jameis Winston every time, and, and not one that's waffling between guys, whether it be Duck Hodges or Mason Rudolph, which has been a multi-week conundrum for Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Credit to the Steelers for putting together a lot of stuff, or to, well, to, to overcoming a lot of those injuries. Like that's That's great. Love that. But I would much rather see this Titans offense, which I don't know if you got to see the Saints or Titans game, but I was watching pretty extensively. I thought the weather was going to be a bigger part of Drew Brees' struggles, but I really felt like it actually affected the Titans a little bit. Like AJ Brown had two big plays and that was it. Given how effective he's been the past couple of weeks now, it's crazy to think that he could only do two big plays against the saints. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you got it. Hey, it paid the bills. That that's the one thing. Is oh, he, sure, absolutely. Yeah, which is nice. And I, but, I, you could you could not play AJ Brown. Like I got it. Like Marcus Lattimore, Saints defense. But this was a must-win situation for the Titans, and yeah, they've been playing for their playoff lives for a few weeks now. But still, it, it you had to have AJ Brown in your lineup with the big run, and of course the big touchdown catch too. I think I, I was reading uh, Liss's Week 16 observations, and he was saying Ryan Tannehill will be quarterback 12 in 2020 August drafts, and I thought that was absurd to think about. And then I looked at the numbers a little bit more, and I'm like, oh, you know what? That actually that that makes a little bit of sense. But then, okay, compared to this year. Lamar Jackson was QB 12. So can Ryan Tannehill even get close to the floor that Lamar Jackson was going to give you if you assumed he would be a quarterback? No. So I don't know if he's, if he is that high of a fantasy asset, but I mean, again, Tajay Sharp also had an appearance this past against the saints too. Right. If they had more, more weapons besides AJ Brown or besides Derrick Henry, that is an offense that I think could, could be really fancy productive as we've seen the past six or seven weeks now. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the thing is, you know, the Titans are having all sorts of attrition at wide receiver. Uh, Corey Davis left with a possible concussion, as did Khalif Raymond. I mean, we, that, that was a horrible play there. Yeah. Uh, horrible hit that wasn't called, by the way. And they, they were more concerned about whether it was a catch and a fumble than, oh, whether you got knocked the heck out. Um, and you can replace heck with what you want. But uh, that, that was a terrible no call i mean for all the, the the plays we've looked at as questionable hits you get someone to just get straight up knocked out on a helmet to helmet and they don't call that at all it's crazy well no see the, the shoulder did hit the helmet on that play from at least the the advantage yeah. that i saw play that i saw but what i never understand with these rules and and i remember very vividly with Devonte adams and danny trevathan i think it was a monday night game or it was a thursday night game with the bears either last year or the year before that what constitutes allowing the receiver to make a move? Like at what point are you allowed to just completely Ronnie lock crush him? And yeah. and that's where I thought Raymond didn't get a chance to really set himself or protect himself. And you're supposed to be doing that. Like that's one of the big things the referees are supposed to be looking out for. And that, that didn't happen. Now, I guess maybe it was a bang, bang play. And I, I hate when people use that analogy, but there might not be a better way to describe what happened with Raymond there. It was, it wasn't a head to head, but it was definitely a shoulder to the head. And you're right. He was just completely knocked out. And I also hate when turnovers happen due to injury. Like yeah. when you see somebody tear their ACL and then they, they, they grab their knee and drop the ball. I guess you should, as a football player, power through, you know, quote unquote, that kind of injury. I, I hate that though. Like I just, no, you can't to expect your player to do that. And I hate when that happens, but you can't have it like soccer where you're just faking injuries and then, Oh yeah, I can just drop the ball or whatever else. Like it, it can't go both ways. I understand. I understand about that. In that same game, Alvin Kamara got well, 11 for 80, two touchdowns, six for 30 in receiving as well. And this was, this is the Alvin Kamara you paid for. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who I actually did pay for in that NFFC league that we talked about that one. That was yeah. our, our high pick. It was either Kamara or McCaffrey. And I, I can't help but think about, Stake league once again, given how dismal I was this year. Do you remember when Christian McCaffrey was on the uh, stake league board and he was? I think he was up to like fifty-five or fifty-six dollars, and then the the bid got messed up or something. And then List said, "Oh, this is a standard scoring league," and he went down fourteen dollars on that on that transaction. I don't remember it going down that much, but I do remember it being cheaper than it should have been. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's you know it's it's frustrating to think about. I was in on McCaffrey to start with and Liss's comment definitely scared me off and I'm embarrassed to say that now. And you look at Kamara too, right? Like that's that's you were not expecting a McCaffrey type of season for Kamara, but you're expecting a little bit more than what, three or four touchdowns and maybe a little bit over twelve thousand combined or twelve hundred combined yards. Like that's that's off Neckler territory. Neckler was going five or six rounds later and yet right. here we are. It's great to see him do well this this week, but we could have used that uh I don't know, weeks one through fifteen. Yeah, no kidding. He had like he had two other huge games. He had the Seattle game, which was huge, and uh, well, one other huge game, I guess, and two others where he kind of contributed good good sized numbers. But yeah, the lack of scoring is what was a real killer, and a lot of that is just the way the Saints run the ball. I mean, way they they throw the ball in the red zone, and they throw to their tight ends, they throw to Taysom Hill, they you know Michael Thomas got his. Yeah, that, I was going up against Michael Thomas in the NFFC, and at, oh, at one point yeah. my game was a little, a little bit closer. And they get the he had that catch 
And then uh, it was ruled not a touchdown. I'm like, okay, thank goodness. And then he gets one more catch for the touchdown. I'm like, oh, so that's even worse. He got an extra point against me because of that. Fine. Okay, great. Uh, but th- it was illustrative. Of, okay, they, they weren't handing the ball off at the one that time. Kamara had already gotten his by then. So, you know, th- his owners were pr- probably pretty happy. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so a lot of things going on in that game uh, that were pretty wild. Uh, let's Before we uh, move on, quick note from uh, our sponsors at Armchair Quarterback. Armchair Quarterback is a real game, real-time game where you predict the next play during a live football broadcast. You know what the next play is going to be. Predict it and earn points. Climb the leaderboard and increase your chances to win tickets and other prizes. It's the perfect way to make watching games more exciting. We have a special league for all RotoWire subscribers, and we'll be posting the leaderboard online and mentioning them here. You can also form your own league with your fantasy friends. The full schedule and game information is available at armchairquarterback.com. Armchair Quarterback. Make every game bigger. Uh, there were a couple of disaster games out there, none bigger than Seattle losing at home to Arizona, and it wasn't especially close, Joe. No, absolutely not. And I, I think the Chris Carson injury might have impacted things. I was talking with uh, Harry Thompson, one of our uh, tech guys at the office, and also a really good fantasy player. He's in the fantasy championships right now with your uh, maybe not mortal enemy, but Chu is right there up there for you. And they both made it to the Vegas championships. Um, he had Chris Carson and he Carson did fine in that first quarter. I wonder what could have been if he was healthy the entire time, not saying that the Seahawks, how bad they played would have won, but I think it would have changed the outcome a little bit because Travis Homer very clearly is not nearly as effective as what they need him to be in that Seattle offense. And it was surprising to me not see, uh, gold or oh, sorry, golden Tate, not see Tyler Lockett or, DK Metcalf do anything like did, we, we knew the tight ends. Jacob Hollister was going to do some stuff, but it was surprising, especially with Carson out having what your third string running back in there, taking the majority of the snaps and you couldn't have Lockett or Metcalf do anything in terms of receiving. That was an embarrassing performance from that offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I really don't understand what happened. Lockett got eight targets, uh, but only one catch for 12 yards. Metcalf had a bagel. I mean, that's amazing. And it was only one target. I don't understand that show. I, I have no idea either. We were Mario and I talked on Saturday for Sirius XM and he was saying if ever there was a receiver that would match up well with Patrick Peterson, and we know Patrick Peterson may be one of the best cornerbacks of all time, but he's kind of fallen off a little, a little bit lately, not Xavier Rhodes falling off, but he's not all of the Patrick Peterson we know him to be. If there's a guy that Peterson would match up with, it was Metcalf. And I was like, no, no, no. They're going to pass the ball. It's the Arizona secondary. The Seahawks need to win this game. There's going to be a lot of offense involved. And there was from Kenyon Drake and nobody else. It just was weird to see. And for somebody that is obviously a huge Russell Wilson fan, we're, we're based here in Madison, Wisconsin. So it's almost like by, by birthright that we have to be Russell Wilson fans. It was really weird to see him do nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing and Lockett getting as many targets as he did. Again, Hollister did some stuff. That's fine. Tight ends are, you know, gods against the Cardinals defense. We get that now. It's been for two or three years, not see, you know, games that we've seen that happen. But it just has been, it was, it was almost uncomfortable, honestly. Like I was flipping back, flipping back and forth between the Eagles, Cowboys, Chargers, Raiders, and then looking at the Seahawks, Cardinals. And every time I seem to click on the Seahawks in offense, it was three and out, rolling around or just not rhythm-based offense which we've seen from Seattle for most of the season. I I can't explain it. I can't wait to read some of the articles that you guys write this week to kind of figure out more because just from my, you know, uh, lay my perspective, I, I thought this was I thought this was a bit of an embarrassing play calling performance in a game they need to win for the Seahawks. Uh, absolutely. Uh Week nine, he throws for five touchdowns and 378 yards. Uh, they win in overtime. Since then, 232 and one, 200 and one, 240 and two, not bad, 245 and nothing, 286 and two last week against Carolina, 169 and one touchdown this week. Uh, just remarkably impotent performances and you know last two weeks he's not even scrambling for you either two carries for two yards three carries for minus one last week you know it's just i I think the offensive line is a kind of maybe quietly an issue there Uh, and uh, beyond that i think they're just kind of falling apart it's really kind of a crazy thing and yeah it's just horrible and you mentioned they lose chris carson they lost rashad penny the week before devastating injuries uh both out for the season carson's out with a hip now and their third string cj pro out with a uh, broken arm they are in right. real trouble yeah as a as a packers fan it's weird to see 
every other team in the NFC have significant injuries. And here we are dealing with maybe a Brian Bulaga injury every once in a while. Like the Packers are never, they're never the healthiest team when it comes to the fan or when it comes to the playoffs in, in the NFL. And that's kind of what we're looking at right now. The 49ers are definitely dinged up the saints, not so much, but they actually have, they have their warts as well. Uh, and the Seahawks, I mean, you would have, if you asked me what my biggest concern was for the Packers and a Super Bowl run, it would have been the 49ers or Seahawks. And you look at both those teams with all the injuries they have right now. And I feel a lot better. You, you talked about the, the Seahawks as well for their offensive line. Dwayne Brown was a late scratch on Saturday, their left tackle they traded for a couple of years ago. I think that made a bit of a, a big or a bit of a difference. It shouldn't have made that big of a difference though. Yeah. And I think that's where yeah. missing all those running backs, it all kind of came into one. And, you know, for, for as bad as the Cardinals have played, we've seen them be productive at stretches. I just would have thought Kyler Murray would be more impactful, not Brett Hundley, former Packers backup coming in and doing what he needed to do to get the win. Like that was the crazy part to me. If you would have said Cardinals beat the Seahawks by two touchdowns, or whatever it was, I would have thought, Oh, Murray throws for two fifty and runs for another 60. And he has three touchdowns in that game. Not he's out at halftime. And here's Brett Hundley now managing this offense to a win. Right, exactly. You know, week 17 is kind of shaping up to be kind of nightmarish. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kyler Murray. They, they, you know, it's a pretty good chance he's not going to play. There's no reason to force him there. Uh, you know, and it just, you know, it's a hamstring injury. It's your prized possession. The game means nothing to them. I mean, it means a lot to, and it, it means nothing to the Rams either. Rams are out, so there's zero reason to push them back. Hunley, meanwhile, and like you said, he, he game managed that afterward. He he scrambled well, six carries for 35 yards. There's a couple big running first downs in that, that sequence there. Um, and yes, Kenyon Drake, playoff hero. Guy you yeah. hated, Joe. I hated him, <laughs> mocked me I for know. liking him, I know. Uh, but it's all right. He, he, you were right until you were wrong. Basically. I was going to say who, who ends up winning that argument? Because we, we had multiple battles on Sirius XM as to what Kenny Drake's value was going to be. And I was like, no, there's no way he's worth the fourth, fifth or sixth round pick. And for 13, 12 weeks of the season, I was right. However, he, since he's come over to the, the Cardinals, not only did he become a really relevant fantasy running back, he also cut into David Johnson, who I thought was a very clear number four guy. And I know that you and Liss have mocked extensively. And I'm, I'm now finally, I have finally washed my hands of the David Johnson sins. <laughs> I will no longer uh, make that mistake again. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do with D- Kenny Drake. He is an undrafted or he is a, a free agent this year. So it's going to be interesting if they want the compensatory pick that they, are going to get, I would imagine a third, well, probably a fourth rounder and they paid a fifth or sixth round price. So you, you've done well in acquiring a talent that you put him in a position to get a better pick. Do you make the mistake and double down on re-signing him? That's going to be the question mark that I think we're going to have to find out in the off season what the Cardinals do. Yeah. It kind of depends on your perspective of whether running backs matter. Um, I guess, you know, if you're in that camp, yeah, Mario was writing about that. He suggests that it would be a third. Um, and he goes, but the Cardinals will probably sign him. You know, the thing is since coming over <laughs> week nine, 15 and one ten for a touchdown against the Niners in that Thursday night, Halloween game, also four caches for 52 yards. Uh, and then three straight weeks, it kind of, eh, and then or four straight weeks. But you look at some of those, those opponents too: Tampa Bay, San Francisco, again, the Rams and Pittsburgh, all pretty good run defenses. Then he faces two weaker run defenses in Cleveland, Seattle, and just absolutely destroys and becomes a playoff hero. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, he could have, you know, the, the, he could have won fantasy leagues. But he also could have been that that sore spot on your bench in fantasy playoffs, too. I saw that happen where he went oh, off yeah. on people's benches. I mean, that was what we recommended on Sirius XM on Saturday, too. Mario and I were both saying, no, a number of receivers would rather take over Drake. And I, I just didn't I didn't see that kind of performance. I mean, you look at his numbers in seven games with the Cardinals, 583 rushing yards, his career numbers in 16 games. The most rushing yards he ever had was his second year with the Dolphins at 644. Mm-hmm. He's done that in seven games. It's just it's incredible to think about. And I, I mean, the the biggest takeaway and this should be life's biggest takeaway is Adam Gase is a horrible coach. Yes. Right? Like he's had all the talent, <laughs> Ryan Hill, Kenny Drake, and we've seen them be so successful, not just like, oh, yeah, they're doing all right. Major players this season. And yet he couldn't do anything with those guys when he had them on the team, when he was building the offense around them. Absolutely nothing. It's, it's incredible to think. And that's exactly why if you are taking Le'Veon Bell or thinking about taking him next year in drafts, be very mindful what the Jets do at the head coach position because – 
if Gase is around, I want nothing to do with Le'Veon Bell. And I'm, I know that's a, a firm statement to make uh, December 23rd, but I feel as confident saying that now as I will August 23rd of 2020 because I just don't want anything to do with him as a head coach right now. I understand completely. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, my bargain. What a bargain. Great value <laughs> in the stake league. Stake league value, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was awesome, guys. Thanks. Uh, so you know, it turns out you know Derrick Henry was a Derrick Henry was the bargain, however, until last week, of course. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny. Yeah, you're right. Just think if they had Drake, Devontae Parker, Tannehill, they put together a pretty good offense there. Oh, that's that's that. the that's the most explosive offense in 2019. If you add AJ Brown in there too, and yet they had that for multiple seasons and could do nothing. And I get it. Devontae Parker has definitely emerged this season. There's a lot of good things to see. And um, you, you watch the tape a little bit of his route running. He's gotten better. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Parker's sudden emergence entirely on Adam Gase's ineptitude, but I do place a lot of it on Tannehill and Drake because Tannehill has had all the athletic traits that you could imagine at quarterback hasn't been able to put all together. And here we are now with uh, him doing some crazy things to me. It actually reminds me of Mitchell Trubisky a little bit like I know that we're all we're all on board um, with the Bears head coach and how great he's going to be. Matt Nagy, oh yeah, he's this godsend for the Bears. He's doing some creative things on offense. I don't know if you watched much of that game last night, but that was bad, ugly, and disgusting. And part of it's on Trubisky, but I think a lot of part of it, or at least some part of it, should also be on Nagy for the play calling. Like I went to that Bears Packers game this past week, or like yep. before this. That Trubisky had some good throws. He he was athletic, moving around in the pocket. Why did why did it take fourteen games into the season for them to be like, oh yeah, Trubisky can like do things out of the pocket. That's where he's most best. Like why don't we move the offense around that? It, I I don't get that. I don't think we'll ever get that. And it's going to be one of the more underrated questions that won't be answered from the 2019 season. Why they didn't use Trubisky as a mobile quarterback more? I think the Bears' offense would have been better. And it's a confidence and rhythm thing if he starts doing that earlier in the season as opposed to week 15, week 14. And and maybe that makes a difference for Chicago's postseason aspirations. I don't know. Yeah, you're singing to the choir as far as the Bears fans I know. Bennett Carroll, our producer on Sirius and XM, a huge Bears fan. And, he yeah, he has similar views on Nagy. I mean, even Trubisky himself after the Packer game, you know, they were just – they were debating, you know, you know, we should have had more, more rollouts. And the thing is Trubisky's value had re- recovered quite a bit. In the last few weeks, and then there was a big backslide last night. But I think some of that is also on the. Uh, I think some of that's also on the, the Chiefs actually being a legit defense. What do you think about yes. that? No, no, no. I, I'm right there with you, and I, I'm still concerned. And maybe this is just me having watched football now for very extensive for the last 20 years. Uh, well, probably it's an exaggeration. We can go. We could say 15 years, and and that's an educated watching of football, and just knowing where the Patriots are. And what they are in the postseason in particular, it's hard for me to ever assume they're going to lose just mm-hmm. because history says they won't. They, they never lose in the postseason, despite all of us begging, pleading the football gods that they just they will lose. It doesn't happen very often. I think the Ravens present the biggest problem for the Patriots. I just feel like Bill Belichick can scheme things effectively enough to handle the Chiefs offense. And what handling means is still probably Mahomes throwing for 270 yards and two touchdowns. But to, I, I just get concerned was to what Bill Belichick can do. I have, I have the utmost respect as, for him as a coach and a game caller to sure. mitigate sure. or take away what Mahomes' strengths are. And, and it's basically like a steroid version of Trubisky, right? Like he's great outside of the pocket. He can make some crazy plays. He also has an incredible arm and he has significantly better weapons, uh, speed in particular. But the Patriots kind of have a lot of things to counter that, right? Stephon Gilmore is literally a shutdown machine. We saw it with John Brown this past week, save for a touchdown. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm worried that the Patriots, Chiefs, they are square off again. Bill Belichick knows what to do against Mahomes, and even if they have a defense, they can do enough offensively. The Patriots that can get 17 points, and that's all they need. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we the Chiefs did win in Foxborough. They kind of saw that Mahomes went 283 and one touchdown, but it was it wasn't pretty. You know, they had one really nice pass to me, Cole Hardman. Uh, they had they had some they had that gimmicky play that worked really well for the Kelsey rushing touchdown, yeah. uh, and and the Pats' offense struggles were the this real story in that. Um, 
I, I, I they seem to fix a few things against the Bills this this past week. Brady looked actually kind of quietly good. It's almost like they, taking away Edelman in a way forced him to use his young receivers a little bit more, and it might have opened up a few things that they didn't have in the past. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Again, we saw this game the Pat the Patriots Chiefs three weeks ago, and Brady wasn't the same guy. But whatever the reason, and maybe I'm just like overly pessimistic about the Patriots, given what we've seen the past couple of years. I just don't know how, when it comes postseason time, somebody really knows how to game plan for Belichick. Not right. that he's like not trying during the regular season. But what the Patriots do in the postseason is significantly different than what they do in the regular season. We've seen it now for three or four or five seasons where like, oh, man, the sky's falling down. Patriots don't look very good. And here it is against the Bills defense, which was one of the best, if not the best in the NFL. Oh, he throws for 270 and a touchdown despite really having a re- his best receiver and only receiver being severely limited and missing time during the game. It just is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I need to see them lose before I can. I can really believe it's going to happen. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it is fair to say, and we'll see. We'll watch this, but you know, getting that that two seed is huge for them too. They get a week to recover. They get a play a game, play their first playoff game in their fortress, uh, and that that's that's pretty <laughs> huge. Um, and you know, the Chiefs have their own playoff demons. Let's not assume that they're going to win their that that first playoff game, um, especially if it's Chiefs Titans. We've seen this movie before. Oh yeah, absolutely. I guess I don't know. I mean, if the Derrick Henry's not playing, and I would assume he would be, but if Henry's not playing during that game, there's no chance. I think I'd take the Chiefs by 17, maybe 14, like at least two touchdowns score. But if Henry's out there, that's a player that can dictate the tempo of the game. They can build, and they have built, the Titans have their entire offense around him. But really, it's those body shots that I think make a big difference. You're playing now four months of national football. You're doing practice every single day. You have games on Sunday and you're having a 250 pound behemoth running at you, getting at least three to four yards without being touched. And then you have to bring them down 20, 30 times a game. That's, that's one of those where um, softer teams. And I, I don't know if the chiefs are, but like the Packers, I mean, that's like the definition of the Mike McCarthy Packers where mm-hmm. they were just soft and they couldn't handle those types of players. That would be a real concern. I think for any team, when you're talking about 18 weeks of football being played, that makes a big difference when a guy like Henry's running at you 20, 25 times a game. Yeah. If the Steelers somehow squeak this through and they, they win and the Titans oh. lose, I think they're dead. They're, you know, I, I, I don't want to be underestimate Mike Tomlin and his ability to game plan for a game again, and the Chiefs' ability to kind of give things away. Uh, but I think the Chiefs would smoke them. I, I feel pretty yeah. confident in saying that. Um, yeah, if this was like the um, NFF or the NFF, the NF West game or NFC West game where the Seahawks were that seven and nine division winner uh, a couple of years ago and it was the beast quake game, yep. I would, I would see things a little bit different. And again, it was, it was a home game for Pittsburgh, but not when it's at Kansas city, that that's a Mahomes runs wild and has a vintage Mahomes. Yeah. He's only two years of starting quarterback. There'll be a vintage Mahomes game. I think. See, I don't even think it's that. I just think the chiefs defense will just smoke and smother the the uh pittsburgh offense the pittsburgh offense is dead man walking they don't have a quarterback and they can't decide on a running back while well, james connor got hurt again um and all that i just think their offense is so impotent i think the chief the steelers defense is legit awesome uh, i don't know if the it's vintage mahomes so much as it's this this revitalized kansas city defense that's going to shut things down um and it just they'll play, play the field position game but uh I, I, regardless, I don't think that I see a whole lot out of Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh switched quarterbacks middle, middle of the game, and then right. Rudolph right. gets hurt in that game again, so they have to go back to the duck. Uh, ugh, brutal game. Real quick, where where would you draft Juju Smith-Schuster next year? Have you like thought about uh, what his value be? Because, man, it has plummeted. It's it's way low. Um, I mean, I want to see what's, who, who's their quarterback. you got to tell me who that is first. Let's assume let's assume Big Ben comes back and you're getting a Philip Rivers this season, but like ten percent better Roethlisberger. I'd probably put Juju because he's got that connection with Ben. I'd probably put him fourth round, fifth. I don't know. We'll see how healthy Juju is. Around higher than that, I think he'd be like the the Todd Gurley range that we saw this past August. Could be. Yeah, I'm probably living too much in the moment right now. You know, I don't yeah. really. It's hard. It's hard to project a guy like that. You're right, but you know, I'll I'll want him at a discounted price because I do believe in the talent. Um, just not this year. Just yeah, I, I've given up hope for this year. 
Uh, before we uh, finish up the wrapping up week 16, another note for sports and betting fans in the New Jersey area. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Sports betting is available today on Yahoo Sports and the Yahoo Sports app, powered by BetMGM. Yahoo Sportsbook, powered by BetMGM, allows fans nationwide to view betting odds across a variety of sports, and users of a legal age to bet in the state of New Jersey can click through the odds to place bets on BetMGM. New users 21 or older in New Jersey can make their first $10 deposit and receive $100 in free bets. Go to BetMGM.com Yahoo to get started and for full offer terms and conditions. Also, Yahoo Daily Fantasy continues to launch new fantasy contests every day. Visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy to enter an NFL, NBA, or NHL contest today. Uh, I want to thank Yahoo for sponsoring us all season long. We do appreciate that. Uh, so, Joe, that yeah, we talked a little bit about the Pittsburgh and you know, James Conner once again hosing his his owners. Anybody took a chance in starting him uh, with that, that mid-game injury yet again got the monday night game coming up here we got uh, your packers going on the road to face minnesota we're going to have no dalvin cook and alexander madison is a game time decision a lot of people are touting that this is a mike boone game where do you weigh in on that yeah it's interesting uh i'm the new guy on sirius xm right that's kind new of guy. Been, that's right new guy is my nickname but i think if i was to give myself anything it would be the pass the the pessimistic packers fan and, and okay. that's kind of how i've operated since i've been here at rotowire there's there's at least Wisconsin sports has taught me in particular never to get too happy because something bad is about to come around the corner, whether it be a game seven loss to the Dodgers uh, before the world series or uh, the Badgers not winning the the championship against Duke, something like that. Like in, in March madness, there's always something bad going to happen. And it's great. All this postseason success. We, you know, Brewers make the playoffs. Packers are always around there. Something bad's always going to happen. Th- this feels so Wisconsin sports tonight against the Vikings where of course, Delvin Cook, the biggest weapon between both teams, is going to be out. Alexander Madison has a high ankle sprain. Even if he plays, that doesn't mean anything. He can't do anything. Kirk Cousins and his ineptitude on Monday Night Football, this sets up the Packers to be successful, and yet they'll find a way to lose by seven points. And I think as a result, it's going to be a boon game. The offense is built around the running attack. Whoever's back there doesn't really concern me. And I think the Packers' defense has been inconsistent. That's probably a polite way of putting it, stopping the run. And I could see Boone getting 15 for 60 carry wise, and then getting two or three catches for 30 yards. Like that's 90 to hundred total yards is what I think he's going to get. So long as Madison is not playing or doing very much if he's active. And I do think that Stefan Diggs and Thielen are going to have their way against the secondary. Kirk cousins is going to get his first win on Monday night and it'll be in a hugely important game. Like if the Packers win this, you have a chance at not even getting the number two seed, but the one seed, like it's, it's right there with what we saw the 49ers on Saturday and the saints, even against the Titans, there's no guarantees right now. And this is a huge opportunity for them to have a huge playoff uh, by week when they're entirely healthy. Again, that's the big thing with the Packers right. of all the NFC juggernauts. They are by far the healthiest. They have a few weapons in Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, but that's it. What can Zedarius Smith and Preston Smith do? That'll be the big question against Kirk Cousins, and I'm not optimistic, so I'm, I'm thinking the Vikings end up walking away with this one. That's the funny thing is I actually think when when everybody is healthy that Minnesota might be a slightly better team than the Packers, um, but yet they, they, they have such an uphill battle to try to win the division. They need to win twice, and the Packers need to lose twice, and we all know how what how you know the, Lion, the, the Lions are really paper Lions when it comes to facing the Packers, so... Uh, yeah, it's really remarkable what a bad run that the Lions have had against the Pack. Uh, it's such a huge uphill battle for Minnesota that they could, you know, they should be resting there anybody that's possibly hurt uh, because yeah, they're pretty much locked into their position. I don't think the Packers are losing the Lions either. I'm right there with you, despite what Booger McFarlane might complain about with that Monday night game. Uh, I'm glad that he won't be announcing next Sunday's contest against the Lions. You're right, though. It is a tough one, and I, I was, you know, I'm eating crow now still today. I thought for certain with the, the most the most important game of the Vikings season, Monday night football at Minnesota, there was absolutely no way Delvin Cook was not going to play in that game. And I got it. Adam Schefter was tweeting about it on Tuesday. Oh, he could be out for the next two weeks. And I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. But here we are now, Monday, December 23rd, talking about the Vikings missing their star running back, their biggest and most important player on that offense, perhaps on that team. And yet I still feel like the Vikings are going to win. And it's just, it goes back to, well, for me, I think the biggest concern is at Minnesota. Like if this is at Lambeau, I feel a little bit more comfortable. They can control the crowd, but when it's in that dome and how loud they get and Aaron Rodgers' struggles in particular in that new place, 
it's it's hard for me to assume that receiving core can really do enough things. I get it. Xavier Rhodes is super bad, but the receiving core for the Packers is even worse than yeah. Devontae Adams. And I just don't I don't see how they can take advantage of it in that in that environment in particular. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm with you on that. I am. I am predicting that the Vikes are going to win 27, 21. Um, so uh, I, I just think they find a way, uh, you know, we'll see about Mike Boone. Everybody, you know, Twitter, fantasy Twitter loves Mike Boone, loves him. You know, he had a great pro day at Cincinnati, but, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he doesn't have draft pedigree that the Vikes went and spent a third round pick on Madison this year. If he was so great, if he's such a great athlete, why did they spend a third round pick on his replacement? You know, to be the backup to Cook. You know, uh, to, to, I mean, but Boone looked great in the preseason this year. He's got these these measurables. Now, can he turn that into production? Yeah, that's going to be the, the big key for today's game. And again, if Matt, Madison is playing, I'm not really concerned about. It. Like, there's only so much you can do with a high ankle sprain. I just don't see how he can be effective. But a guy like Amir Abdullah or CJ Ham, I think, do enough to take away from Mike Boone's production that he isn't this automatic flex or running back two play that you might have assumed on Saturday as soon as Dalvin Cook was ruled out. Like, I don't I don't think he's getting that, but I do think he's getting uh, 80 to 90 total yards, which I guess is enough to be a flex play. But it's going to be an uneasy one. If he falls in the end zone, that's kind of what you're looking for because I think he has the real opportunity to, and they're going to move the ball enough. I, I have Vikings 24-17, uh, and I disagree with you a little bit. I do think the Packers, both teams completely healthy, are good enough to beat the Vikings, but like, you know, if they play 10 times in a season, I think the Packers win five and the Vikings win five. Like it's not going to be yeah, it's much close. more. I, I don't think we're that far off in our perceptions, to be honest with you. I just, like I said, I think they're slightly better. If they played a hundred times, I think it'd be like 51, 49. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I think I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, so th- there you, there you have it. Um, so, okay. Very good. Before we sign off, any closing thoughts uh, on week 16? Anything else that caught your eye? Uh, well, I'm, Jake and I will talk about today and, of course, on the, on the Tuesday podcast. With all these injuries going on, and I, I hope that you're not playing a week 17 championship, but sometimes there's some stupid people out there that have designated <laughs> their leagues that way. And you're going to have to deal with a lot of stuff like Kyler Murray, Chris Carson. There's there's some major injuries that Mark are Ingram. on top of the Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's. Yeah, Mark Ingram, too. Like there's a lot of injuries that happened over the last three weeks. So being diligent on the waiver wire is going to be a huge, a huge thing to do. And I know there's going to be a lot of different options to pick from. Uh, we're going to have to do our best to kind of sort through that stuff. But a guy like Travis Homer with uh, an important game for the Seahawks makes a lot of sense for me as one of the top pickups. And I'm going to be interested to see um, just how well he does next week, because I think not that you can be a league winner in one week, like you can't designate those players, Lamar Jackson, Chris McCaffrey, those are league winners. But I think Travis Homer could do enough to make a difference in your championship game. Should you be playing stupidly? On week 17. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we have like sometimes total points matter. Sometimes you have side pets, you know, things like that. Sure. But yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. The Ravens, we, they, they have all the incentive to rest all their starters. We know Ingram's not going to play. It's almost certain with his calf injury. There's no reason to rush him back. Um, and they might want to see a little bit more out of Justice Hill. They might want to see a little bit more out of Gus Edwards, who's averaging over five yards of carry in his NFL career. Um, you can see that. But they probably don't want to play Jackson next week. The NFC, on the other hand, you know, everybody's battling for that one seed. It means everything. So that, that that's the difference. The one thing you might see is, say, if you know, if the Packers do win tonight, then Minnesota has all the reason to shut down everybody because they've clinched the playoff right. spot and they don't they can't yep. jockey for a better position. So uh, that's the one th- that team that doesn't have any incentive to play for anything. Everybody else, they're battling. The other guys I've mentioned are the record setters. So. We already have Michael Thomas. Yeah. He was going to get that record regardless after like week 10. We knew he, that was a first certainty. How about Christian McCaffrey getting over a thousand receiving yards yeah. and Austin Eckler only needing like, I think 80 or something like that to get over a thousand receiving yards too. I think those guys, especially when the teams don't matter, like the chargers and Panthers force feeding your studs to get those extra little things to add to the resume. Those are other things I look for in week 17. That could be a big benefit. Now you're not going to be not playing Christian McCaffrey or frankly, Austin Eckler, but I think if you're like, oh, I don't know what they're going to do, just the, those guys that could set a record or have career seasons or whatever else, I think it's fair to say that the teams are going to do their best 
to get those marks if they're completely out of playoff contention. Yeah, McCaffrey needs 67 receiving yards against New Orleans. Not a, not a sure thing, especially New Orleans, if New Orleans is trying, which they will oh, be. I'll take the over. I'll take the over easy on that one. Yeah, I mean, they, he had like, what, 15 targets yesterday, 15 catches well, exactly, yesterday? Exactly, with Will Greer. Yeah, this, there's no way there's no way Christian McCaffrey does not get 67 receiving yards. I can, I'll put my, uh, my new guy name on it right now. That McCaffrey gets over 67, 67 receiving yards uh, next Sunday. One ill-timed helmet to the hip, dude. That's all it takes. Um, <laughs> but you know, and the thing is, you know, Will Greer is terrible. Um, we, I think we saw that. Carolina is terrible. They've given up, uh, except for McCaffrey. Um, so, yeah. And then there's, we'll get, speaking of Carolina, we'll, I know you had to go to uh, do serious XM, so we'll get you off after that. But DJ Moore is another one we'll be watching. That destroyed me, by the way. I, that really, really hurt me. Uh, the early concussion. That was a game where going up with the Colts with no Kenny Moore, that was projected to be a pretty decent matchup. Obviously, didn't happen. Yeah, I, I, I missed that one when I was going through and reading everything else. I was low on DJ Moore to begin with. I just didn't know what will greer was going to do as a quarterback i'm i'm super in on dj moore as a talent he and curtis samuel i think are sneakily one of the better receiving duos that we have in the nfl and if you have a competent quarterback and at this point i don't even think cam newton is a competent quarterback in his career but if you have one of those i think you're going to see both samuel and Moore be complete breakouts Moore already kind of had his breakout season this year but those guys are really good i just don't think will greer is anywhere close to an nfl talent at the quarterback position and i i was i was concerned about what he could do so i'm glad well i guess i, I mean I, I was recommending a few people to bench dj Moore on sirius xm and on twitter and the radio hits i did last week so you know i'm glad that that advice kind of carried through i wish it wouldn't have happened due to a concussion though like it just right that that always the sour taste when it's an injury that's a result of that absolutely i hear absolutely. you on that i think uh what kyle allen and will greer did is make everybody appreciate what a healthy cam is like so uh we'll see uh, we're going to sign off on that note. Uh, I want to thank Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring us. Joe, thank you for uh, doing this, and uh, can, uh, good luck on your other media ventures today. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll hear me enough over the next three days that I think a lot of people are going to be tired of uh, uh, listing my voice if you are a RotoWire fan. Of course, SiriusXM later today, and then I'll be doing the podcast with Jake Latarski going over the free agent uh, additions to pick up for Week 17 and a 2020 very, very early first-round mock draft that we'll be also touching on for Tuesday's edition. We'll record today, but it'll be posted Tuesday. And to that end, uh, this is my last uh, regular season football podcast. <coughs> Not broadcasting on Christmas Day. Um, so thank you for listening to me all season long, and uh, good luck if for those of you playing Week 17. Congrats to those of you who took down the chip. Take care. Thanks for listening to Rotowire. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.